August 10th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin. If you count from the top of the page, it's 16 lines down, two words before the end of the line. It says the Gemara Tanur Rabbanan. It's a Biraita that cites this Pasuk of a person who's rebellious in his actions, his ways against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If there's a soul, if there's a person who does biyad rama with that high hand, meaning he's defiant, he's going against God. Who's that referring to? Of course, it could be referring to all sorts of people who do all sorts of terrible things. The Beraita is Doresh, that pasuk with regards to its vehemence, its extremism. Zem Menashe bin Chizkiah, that's perhaps a reference to someone like Menashe bin Chizkiah. What did Menashe bin Chizkiah? We know such terrible things about him from the Navi. And says the Gemara, says the Beraita, I'll tell you something else. Perhaps you didn't know about him. Shahaya Yoshev Doresh Bahagadot Shildofi. He would sit and he would expound upon, he would deal with Haggadot, dealings and matters from the Torah of Dofi. He would make them into nothingness. Amar, for example, he would exclaim, Was it necessary for us to know about this minor, uh, insignificant character in the Torah, this woman named Timna? Uh, who was born, and then ultimately speaking, she was the concubine of Eliphaz, the son of Isav. Uh, did we need to know about that? Was there any significance? It's as if the claim of uh, Menashe ben Hizkiah is uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is writing about insignificant, not important at all matters. Furthermore, uh, The Pasuk describes how Reuven went during the time of the cutting, time of the harvesting, and he finds Dudaim. The Gemara will have a freeway mahlokin with regards to the exact translation of Dudaim. Rashi in his commentary to the Torah picks one of those as Jasmine. Regardless, he picks these flowers, these, these shrubs, and he presents them to his mother, and, and, as a, or, 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 and his mother has her sister, Rachel, and a whole battle and, and, uh, and, and details ensue. But specifically, was it necessary to tell me the time period that it was being made, Kisir Haitim? Was it necessary really to tell me this story? Did this story really add to our understanding of the Avot, the Imahot, Rachel, to Leah, to Reuven, perhaps? What was the significance? Yase'abat Kol, a heavenly voice comes out at the time that Menashe publicly is uh, defaming, speaking wrongfully about the Torah, and exclaims to him two pesukim from Tehilim, and the pesukim that were, so to speak, referred to at that time to him, a pasuk describes, at least in the understanding of the hachamim, you've spoken wrongfully about your brother, the son of the same mother, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu. Menashe ben Chizkiah, of course, is from, uh, is, is, is a descendant of Le'ah, Baruch uh, And uh, so too is Moshe Rabbeinu. And as a result, we're both descendants of Levi, we're both descendants to a certain extent of the same mother. You've spoken wrongfully, says HaKadosh Baruch through this pasuk in Tehidim. If I were to keep quiet, you'd believe that I'm together with you. I'm kamocha, I'm on the same page as you. That I had Moshe writing these insignificant pesukim in the Torah. As a result, I need to be ma'arich, I need to be put, putting together my uh, ma'aracha, my, my, my attack with regards to 
how to uh, defend the Torah and explain why these are significant pesukim. More than anything, it's a description of a person who's megale panim Torah sheloka halacha. It's a person menashe who's expounding, who's rather than taking the Torah seriously, he's looking to the Torah to make fun of it, to poke holes at it. And it's about him, meaning Menasheh ben Chizkiah, that the Pasuk, so to speak, says, Kabbalah. Kabbalah over here is a reference to a Pasuk in Navi. It's our Masoret, it's our tradition. The Pasuk says, Says Rashi, there, uh, this is a reference to a person who uh, is not getting anything out of it. Menashe ben Chizkiah wasn't getting paid money nor getting honor. And all he was doing was uh, publicly uh, speaking against the Torah. You couldn't find someone worse than that. But now that we're at it, let's look at that pasuk in Yeshaya for a moment or two more. What does it mean when the pasuk describes those who are being drawn after or pulling uh, in their doing? Ka'avota agala. Those words, avota agala, is a reference to the rope which would carry, which would pull a, a wagon. Says the Gemara, why a reference to those who are doing wrong? They're, so to speak, like those who are pulling a wagon with that rope. Says the Gemara, marbi aseh yeser hara. This is a reference to the yeser hara, this rope which pulls a wagon. But tehila, initially, when a person first becomes, uh, is falling prey to the Yetzir Hara, or is being tempted rather by the Yetzir Hara, seduced by it, uh, Yetzir Hara is pulling him, and it's like the strand of Kubya, Rashi says, is a spider web, very fine, very thin, very weak strand. You're not that drawn in. There's just a little seduction. Ulebasov, once you fall in prey, once you're uh, falling in line with the Yezer Hara, with that evil inclination, it has a strength of a rope of, uh, that would pull a, a wagon. For our purposes, it's a description of Menashe ben Chizkiah pulling the people, turning to them with this Yezer Hara, which he's imbued with and spreading it to others. He's speaking wrongfully about the Torah. He's pointing to Pesukim that you and I might think about, look at as we're reading the Torah, wonder, but but instead of just wondering, he speaks publicly against it. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu, Mipiyah Kadosh Baruch Hu, needed to be writing. He's making fun of it. He's making it into a mockery. Says the Gemara, De'atan ala mihat. Says the Gemara, now that we dealt with these, at the very least, since Menashe ben Chizkiah was making fun of these pesukim, let's explain their significance. There's got to be some significance. After all, uh, it was dictated by God to Moshe. It's in our Torah. What is the significance of that woman, Timna, of this, uh, of this pasuk that describes Reuven b'yemekesir ha'chitim, cutting those dudaim, those shrubbery, those flowers in the field? What is the significance of this woman that's mentioned in the Torah, the sister of Lotan, whose name is Timna? Each one of those details is insignificant. Lotan uh, maybe was a general, maybe significant. His sister, and to know it's his sister, and to know that she ultimately speaking was a concubine of Eliphaz, the son of Esav, any of that significant? Says the Gemara, Timna bat melachim havai. You should know first and foremost understand the significance of this woman, Timna. She must have been piecing the details and, and, and um, artifacts of the Torah together. She must have been the da- daughter of Man 
monarchy. How do you know? Dichtiv, after all, it says about her brother, aluf lotan, aluf timna. It says about her brother and then about her, the word aluf. Vechol aluf, and when the Torah uses that word aluf, we generally translate it as a general or a high-ranking official. Malchuta belatagahu. You know, Taj. Taj means a crown. Taga means crown. It means a king without a crown, meaning you haven't risen all the way to the top. But an aluf is all the way close to the top. So it means that this woman is the daughter of monarchy. All right, that's still not significant enough for it to be in the Torah. We have mention of many different people in the Torah, but they usually play a role. We don't know about every king and every daughter of king and princess. Says the Gemara, Ba'aya li'igayure. She was interested in converting. This is the tradition of the rabbis. They'll piece it together with some of the pesukim, but most of this is them injecting this based on their tradition. She was interested in uh, converting. I always mean to convert. There was no Judaism. It means to follow derech Adonai mishpat, to be a part of the pathway, the uh, the ways of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Ba'ata esel Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. She comes to Abraham, maybe Yitzhak, maybe Yaakov, maybe their descendants, meaning to the clan. And they don't accept her. They won't accept her and bring her in as a convert. And so when she doesn't have a chance with the real deal, with the inner circle, Abraham, Tzhak, and Yaakov, and their descendants, she goes instead to Eliphaz, the peripheral player. He's the son of Esav. And to him, she becomes a concubine. Why didn't Abraham, Tzhak, and Yaakov accept her? No simple answer to that. She may have just not been genuine enough. Uh, there is a suggestion that if you piece the Pesukim together, some of the later Mefashim point this out, there is a Midrash along these lines. This woman was a Mamzerit. She was born to potentially Aesav, whom she ultimately speaking gets involved with, uh, she was not in a great um, a birth status based on who she was and born to. And as a result, they were interested in keeping those sorts of people out. Eliphaz ben Aesav, however, accepts her. Amera, she says to herself at that time when she turns to Eliphaz after not being accepted by Bene Abraham, it's Hakim Yaakov, Muta'ab, it's better for me, I'd rather be a maidservant to this nation, meaning being involved with Eliphaz. Maybe no access to the real deal, to the upper ranking officials, Abraham, Tzachak, and Yaakov. I'll be to the lower level officials, then to be a higher level official in any other nation. All right, beautiful story about her. Uh, perhaps that's why, says the Gemara, the Torah mentions her name twice. It's what Menashe ben Chizkiah was making fun of. Historically, did this have any impact on who we are, says the Gemara. Nafak mina Amalek It's from her, according to tradition, Amalek comes forth. He's born to her descendants, and he... And his descendants, of course, give us that sar, that sorrow in the future. The Gemara, more than anything, is a cautionary tale in this context, teaching us uh, to be careful with those we, who we repel and push away, those who we bring in, how we treat others, even when they appear to be outsiders and maybe not having an easy place in our nation, maybe even having problematic lineage. Ultimately speaking, says the Gemara, she does get involved. She is involved enough to the extent that She's able and her descendants to be a major thorn and problem for our people in the future. Says the Gemara, Maita Ama, uh, why is it that she ends up uh, giving sorrow to us? De la Iba'e lehu le 
because they were not, because they should not have distanced her. They should have brought her in. Says the Gemara, okay, let's go on to that second pasuk or third pasuk, the pasuk with regards to Reuven. Remember, Menashe ben Chizkiah is making fun of these pesukim. Timna, who cares about her? Pilegesh uh, Elifaz, who cares about that? But also, Vayelech Reuven, a household name, not Timna, but a story that we know about. What's the significance? Vayelech Reuven bimekesir chitim. Just P.S., there's plenty to be said about that story. I'm, I'm sure with SoundCloud I have a class or two about the significance of that story. But how, the way I understand the making fun of this is the details, which as well I try to make something out of. But anyway, the details, Menashe ben Chizkiah says, the regular person reading this story, what's the significance that he goes during the time of Kesir Haitim when it's the harvesting time? We learn from this that righteous ones should not, may not, and do not extend their hand to matters and things that are not their own. Meaning, the Pasuk describes how Reuven goes out during the time of harvesting. Says Rashi, everybody is harvesting. The wheat is ripe and out in the fields. He could have, and perhaps should have, if he wasn't a righteous person, chopped up without anyone else knowing from the hitim, from the wheat, of someone else's field. Instead, the Pasuk specifically says, what does he pick up? He picks up the shrubs, the low-hanging, cheap stuff, the weeds that nobody's interested in. That's a statement about Reuven. Reuven is out in the field. He wants to pick something for some reason or another to bring it back to his mother. Instead of taking the higher level stuff, which would be stealing from someone, even though they wouldn't really care that much about it, they wouldn't necessarily notice it, he instead picks up the weeds. If I'm walking by your home and I see you have a beautiful hydrangea, so I can cut those off, that would be gazel. If alternatively, I pick off some of those weeds that grow in your garden, that wouldn't be gazel. You're very happy for the weeds to be taken out. That's why the Pasuk describes, he goes out and you make kesir haitim, there's beautiful flowers for our context out in the field. He could take one or two, nobody's gonna know you have a Rose Garden, I cut off three, four of them. You're not going to know that I took them. Nonetheless, he only takes Dudaim. So let's think about what are Dudaim, just parenthetically and just matter-of-factly. What are Dudaim? My Dudaim. Amar Rav Yavrohe. First opinion that of Rav is Yavrohe. Says Rashi, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, it's something. Says the Gemara onwards, some sort of uh, flower. Levi Amar Sigali. Sigali, Rashi says, some sort of bisamim, some sort of good smelling, uh, low hanging shrub. Again, Rashi in his commentary to the Torah, if I remember correctly, says, that in um, Arabic we call this yasmin, meaning jasmine. Rabbi Onatan Amar, Sabiski, another one of these bisamim, low-hanging, low-growing, uh, you know what that is? Is it like a hibiscus type thing? Oh, I don't know. If we switch the samich with a hair, I guess it is hibiscus. Okay, but it's something that, that is, that is good-smelling and low-growing. Amar bi Alexandri, kol ha'osek v'atorah lishma, mesim shalom b'pamalya shil ma'ala v'pamalya shil mata. The statement here onward in the Gemara, keep in mind our general context. Our general context is a person who's migale panim b'atorah, a person halacha, a person who's saying that Torah is a nomina shamaim. So the foil, the contrast to that is a person who's immersed in study of Torah, lishma, with the appropriate mindset and goals and ambitions. Says the Gemara, says the statement over here, a person who's studying Torah lishma, he places, by so doing, peace 
between the upper and lower legions of existence, meaning the angelic realm and the human realm. Before we read the pasuk that supports this, just remember what the Gemara told us on Dafilamit Het. The Gemara on Dafilamit Het described how Akadosh Baruch Hu wants to create human beings. And the angels turn to Akadosh Baruch Hu and they say, What are you interested in? He's only going to cause you problems. God wipes them out, wipes out the next group, ultimately speaking, creates us. The vision, the description then of the rabbis is, is that we as human beings are in the eyes of the angels low lives, not, perp- not, not an appropriate and proper creation. If there's Talmud Torah Lishma, if it's being studied and fulfilled, if the word of God is, pro- is promulgated by us throughout the world, that's a statement, that's a moment in time during which, so to speak, there's peace, there's less claims against the creation of humanity. We're reaching our potential, we're, we're furthering the word of God and uncovering it and revealing it in this world. It's along the same lines for Gemara Masechet Shabbat, which describes how God has this debate, puts Moshe in the middle of it about whether to give a Bnei Adam, human beings, Am Yisrael the Torah. The angels say we should have it. If we're immersed in Torah Lishma, that's the, that's the response to the angels, the best response you can have. Oh, it, we, it belongs with us. It belongs with you only in as much as you're fulfilling it and you're reaching its potential. That's the statement here in the Gemara. You're mesim shalom. There's no longer any kitrug, no longer any jealousy, no longer any strife between the angels and human beings with regards to should human beings have been created, should the Torah have been given to human beings. If we're doing it right, I mean, you can't claim differently. I'm uncertain whether to give this person a raise at work. There's a mahlokan amongst the CEOs, the higher-ranking officials. You, you gave him the promotion. I told you you shouldn't have done it. I told you you shouldn't have done it. And then the guy made you $10 billion. You see, that's the proof. So kola lishma means that's the proof. If they're fulfilling it, if they're doing it, that's the shalom. Now all the CEOs get along. Shine emar, as the pasuk says, oh, with regards to our, for our purposes, we're reading this in the context of a person who's studying Torah lishma. The pasuk talks about o yahazek b'ma'uzi. Ma'uzi means my strength. It's a reference to the Torah. Ya'aseh shalom li, shalom ya'aseh. The Pasuk twice mentions the peace, which is reached as a result of the study, the involvement with Ma'oz, with Torah, the understanding in turn of the, of the Gemara of uh, Rabbi Alexandria is that's the Shalom to the upper and lower realms. Rav Amar, Rav, same statement, kol halome Torah lishma, not only, uh, let me give you a different vantage point than being osei shalom bepamaliya shel ma'ala umata, ki ilu bana palterin shel ma'ala veshel mata, it's as if you built a palace of above and below, meaning you've bridged the worlds of upper and lower realms. It's not just that there's peace. Beyond peace, there's cohesion, which means to say I can live in this world if, uh, if I wanted to, and you could live in this world as a this world mundane, regular existence. I go to work and I make money, I support for my family, and yes, I find facets of that world, the shamayim, in my life when I go to Knis, when I study Torah, but by and large, it's not what my life is about. I have a separation, I have compartmentalized my life. I have my shamayim life and I have my aretz life. If alternatively, I'm studying Torah lishma, which means by definition, I'm living Torah in the way, in the respect that my life is influenced 
through that study, I'm realizing that this deal, this opportunity, this child rearing, this conversation and so forth is all a fulfillment of Torah. I've effectively built one large structure and edifice through this world and that world, I found cohesion and I found a certain synthesis. The Pasuk describes how through my words you will be you'll establish the heavens and you'll, and you'll in turn establish and put in place the land. Rabbi Yohanan's statement is you're even bringing protection for world existence, Shene'emar, as the Pasuk said, that which we just read, Ubsel Yadi Kisiticha, the Pasuk says, and with the shade of my hand, Kivyachol, God says, I have covered you. This is the idea that we have elsewhere, Gemara, Masechet Sota, and elsewhere, that the Torah brings inherently from its nature a certain protection. There is a certain protection that's inherent in the Torah. It's for that reason that during times of sorrow and difficulty uh, for Ahenu B'nai Israel or for worldwide Jewry, if you could go and be combative and be helping in the physical sense, that's fantastic, and I would suggest it if you're able to do it in an appropriate fashion. If alternatively, what the Hachamim tell us again and again and again, you're able to study Torah, that brings a certain Haganah, brings a certain protection in it of itself. Statement is you even bring forth, you, you hasten the redemption, which makes a lot of sense as well. If I'm talking the words of God for the right purpose, if I'm spreading that knowledge, well, by definition, I'm bringing the redemption closer. The redemption is the time during which people realize the existence, the greatness, the oneness of God. If I'm speaking Torah and people are hearing it and it's becoming nature, part and parcel of who we are, well, that's Mikarevet HaGeulah. He cites a pasuk as well, Shene Emar, as the pasuk says in Sefer Yeshaya, the pasuk says, this is the same pasuk, Velemor, the end of that pasuk, Velemor, Sion Amiata, the pasuk says, and I'll say about Sion, the Yerushalayim, the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael, you're my nation, which of course will be realized in Yemota Mashiach during the time of Geulah. Amaresh Akish, the Gemara has a few more statements about being Lomed and Melamed Torah, studying and teaching Torah. Amaresh Akish, Kola Melamedet Ben Havero Torah, Ma'ale Alav Katuv, Kilo Asaof, a person teaches his friend's son, meaning another person, Torah, the Pasuk describes you as if you created that person. But you didn't. That person and their wife and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they were the Shutafim in the creation of that human being. The Pasuk describes as Abraham is journeying at the beginning of Parashat Lech Lecha, he journeys together with his family members and the uh, nefesh, the souls which they created in Haran. Rashi in his commentary to the Torah has two interpretations. First, he says Peshat is, it's a reference to the Avadim and Shifahot, to the slaves and maidservants. They acquired these people, and that's who they brought together with them. Alternatively, what the Gemara over here is referring to is, those are the people who, as, uh, as Unkulus writes in his commentary over there, to Bereshit Perek Yod Gimad, the Sha'abidul Oraita, it's those whom they brought into the way 
of Torah. That's the reference then. The Pasuk says that the people whom Avraham brought in, it's as if he made them. The Gemara, in fact, referenced this Pasuk in a parallel Gemara to the one we saw earlier. The first 2,000 years, second 2,000 years of existence. Remember, the first 2,000 years are the years of Tohu. Second 2,000 years are the years of Torah. When did that commence? When did that begin? Gemara and Avodah Zarah says with this Pasuk by Abraham. What does it mean to make a person through Torah? Well, the halakha, generally speaking, dictates that you make something and acquire it through changing it, through crafting it. For example, if there's a craftsman who's putting together this cup, but it's not finished, and I put the final touch on it, anyone who's learned Masechet Bala Kama knows those laws, the final touch on it is Uman Kone Beshevah Keli. By putting that final touch on it, I've effectively made it mine. I've acquired it according to Halakha, which means to say it wasn't fully mine beforehand. That final touch, it's the same idea over here. When you influence another person and anyone who's changed the lives or had their life changed, by another person knows this to be a reality you've changed their life effectively and made them through imbuing them by teaching them giving them meaning and giving them a purpose to life that's the reference over here you're playing the role of God in truth in such a circumstance which it couldn't get better than that God who turns to us and he says to us you become creators you could become creators by making cups or by making shmatas and selling them or any real estate whatever you can alternatively make souls how do you make a soul by being melamedet ben havero Torah there is the pasuk that famously mentions the Toledot of Moshe and Aharon, and then it only mentions, says Jesse, the children of Aharon. Uh, but what happened to the children of, excuse me, how does it go? It's, uh, he, these are the children of Moshe and Aharon. And then it only mentions the children of Aharon and the derasha of the hachamim, Masechit Kiddushin, is that Moshe takes ownership of them because he taught them Torah. Indeed, says the Gemara onward, Rabbi El-Azar Omer ki'ilu asa'an lidivre Torah. It's not as if you created the people by teaching them Torah, but it's as if you created the Torah itself, meaning that's the idea of a Hidush Torah. It becomes your Torah. We've talked about this on too many occasions, but the idea being that Torah, as the Derasha elsewhere, Masechit Kiddushin as well has it, the Pesukim, the beginning of Tehillim, Kim Torah Adonai Hefzo, Up Torato It begins with the Torah of God, and then it's Torato, your Torah. The idea being personalizing the Torah and seeing yourself in it, giving it your own particular flavor and flair and spin, that's the statement over here. By learning and teaching to others, your own Torah becomes sharpened and more individual and personal. The Pasuk describes how you'll fulfill or you'll safeguard the words of this covenant and you will establish them, you'll make them, meaning the Torah itself. It's as if through the teaching of Torah, you've crafted yourself. Forget about crafting the other. Forget about crafting the Torah. You've made yourself by becoming a teacher. And anyone who's done this knows it as well. It's true tested and, and, and experimented with 
by teaching you become qualitatively a different person than just by studying and thinking on your own. Don't read it as and you'll fulfill them, but rather you'll fulfill yourself. If a person brings another to fulfill a mitzvah, it's as if they themselves fulfilled the mitzvah. The derasha is from the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe. He says, Moshe, take the mate, take the staff with which you hit the Nile. Moshe never hit the Nile. Aharon hit the Nile, but by giving the staff and instructing Aharon to do so, the Pasuk makes it as if he himself did so. The idea through all of these is you can have a certain selfish side to Torah and to mitzvot. I'll do it. You can watch. You can maybe learn from my ways. Or alternatively, you can fulfill yourself ironically best by spreading it and fulfilling it through others. Apikoros, the Gemara mentioned this idea of Apikoros, the Mishnah, at the very beginning of the Perek mentioned, it's one of the people who doesn't have Olam Haba. What is an Apikoros? We then sort of mentioned again recently in the Beraita, on Tzaditeta Mudalef, Ki Devar Adonai Baza, it's a person who's been shameful to the word of God, Ze Apikoros, what's Apikoros? Says the Gemara, Rav Verbi Hanina. Rav and Rabbi Hanina, Amre Tarvayu, they both in tandem together suggested what's an apikoros. Now apikoros is uh, first and foremost, it's a, uh, it's a foreign word, it's a Greek word, which was uh, epicurean, it was the name of a person. But alternatively, the way Harambam explains in his Perusha Mishnayot Avot is it's Milashon Hefker. The Hachamim adapted that word and made it their own. Hefker means it's something that's ownerless. It means you talk about something that has significance. I say this cup is Hefker. If I talk about Torah, if I talk about Atamit Hakam in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I debase them, I'm talking about them and making them that's the way they doresh this word. It's a person who brings forth shame and makes fun of. That's apikoros. Specifically, if you look at the Torah scholar and you speak wrongfully, the Gemara will have many examples of how to not do so. The other two opinions, they suggest it's It's not that you directly are shameful to the Talmud Hacham, but rather you speak about another in front of the Talmud Hacham or treat another in a shameful fashion, meaning you should have a certain reverence and honor to the Talmud Hacham. You shouldn't be shaming others in their presence. Says the Gemara, If I'm to suggest that second approach, that Apikoros uh, is the person who speaks shamefully, who shames another in front of the Tamit Hacham, I now understand the other way. Again, I have two options over here. Either I'm being shameful to the Talmud Hacham or I'm being shameful to another in front of the Talmud Hacham. I also have two entities. I have Apikoros and I have this idea of I don't know really what they are. I don't know what Apikoros is. I mentioned it and I also mentioned it's also how do I break these up? Suggest the Gemara. If you're to tell me 
that apikoros is not that you're directly negating the Talmud Hacham. I take the direct negation and I explain that as Megale Panim Batorah Shedoka Halacha. I explain in turn that you were shameful about another in front of the Talmud Hacham as the apikoros. Ela says the Gemara Lemande Amar Mevazet Talmud Hacham Atzmo that if you're shameful directly to the Talmud Hacham, that's what characterizes you as apikoros. Heve Megale Panim Batorah Kigon Mai. Apikoros Heve says the Gemara Megale Panim Batorah. So then what is a Megale Panim Batorah Shelok Halacha? Answers the Gemara Kigon Menashe Ben Chizkiah. I can suggest it's like the case of Menashe Ben Chizkiah. That's how we started the Gemara this morning. Remember Menashe Ben Chizkiah? Menashe Ben Chizkiah is Doresh Haggadot Shildofi. Menashe Ben Chizkiah is pointing to the Pesukim about Timna Pilegesh Elifaz. Menashe Ben Chizkiah is pointing to the Pesukim about Vayelech Reuben Bimekesir Chitim and he's speaking and laughing at these Pesukim. That's a person who's Megale Panim Baturah Shiloka Halacha. It's an interesting way of referring to him and to that sort of action. You'd imagine that's just an inappropriate action. That's a person who's revealing a face of the Torah which is inappropriate. It's a person who's looking at the Torah and saying it's not imbued with, it's not streaming with the word of God. It's rather some hodgepodge of verses placed together. It says the Gemara just lastly, this version of the dispute about how to characterize what's Megale Panim Batorah Shelok Halacha, what's Apikoros, Ika Yesh who taught la asefa on the latter part. You see, the first time we had this mahloket, it was a mahloket just a few lines ago, but had a character as epikoros. Now it's the version of it's going to be the opposite way. Who's the person who's it's the person who's shameful directly to the Tamid Hacham? It's the lower level or uh, more removed when you're shaming another in front of a Talmud Hacham. Says the Gemara again, just in a little bit of the opposite way. Says the Gemara, I'll challenge the second approach. If you're to tell me that a person who's a person who shames another, I stand up in front of the chief rabbi of Israel, the greatest rabbi, uh, whatever, whoever it is, and I talk wrongfully about another person. Who's that? Uh, that's, the, that's the description. When I'm shaming him in front of the Talmud Hacham. What's an apikoros? How do you define apikoros? Says the Gemara Kigon Mai, Amar of Yosef. And here's where the Gemara gives a lot of examples. Let's just read the first one. Kigon Hane, just like those, De Amre, Mai Ahanu Lan Rabbanan. What have the rabbis helped us with? Lididhu Karu. They read and learn on their own. They study Mishnah and Talmud for themselves. What have they affected us? That is an apikoros. That's a person who says their actions, their direction, their doings are insignificant 
to the larger scheme of who we are. That's a apikoros amarle abaye haimegale panim batora namehu. And says that as well is maybe apikoros, but it's also a person who's megale panim batora. Dichtivim lo beriti omam valayla hukot shamayim va'aris lo samti. After all, the pasuk says, if not for my covenant of day and night. What's a covenant of day and night? If not Torah, ve'agita bo yomam valayla, hukot shamayim va'aris lo samti. The rules, the existence, the bedrock of existence of heavens and earth, I would not and could not have had. And as a result, by saying, what are they doing? You're defying God's word. God says, I have existence. I have nature running in the way that it does through the continuous revelation of my word, meaning Talmud Torah. You're saying that the study of Torah is insignificant. You're not only a apikoros, you're a person who's migale panim pa Torah, shelok I can learn the same idea from here. The Pasuk says that with regards to Abraham requesting uh, clemency from God on Sedom, says God, if there's 50 Sadiqim I'll forgive them, which means to say righteous people, righteous beings, those who are immersed in the Word of God, have a way of affecting reality. If you claim otherwise, you're not only being shameful to them, you're being shameful to God. You're negating the words of Torah. The Torah is telling us that existence, to a certain extent, is held up by that Torah. For example, instead, what's an apikoros, a person who's studying in front of their rabbi, and they have an idea, they think about something they taught them elsewhere, and they say, like this, they say over there. Instead of saying, this is what my master said, which means to say, you can say the same thing in one of two ways. The way you say it is very significant. If you say it in a way and fashion that's inappropriate by saying, oh, this was said elsewhere, it's qualitatively different to the extent that you're an apikoros than if you say, this is what my master, my teacher taught me in another circumstance and context. Baruch Adonai Amen ve